to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. You can please turn with me to Colossians 4. We're picking up in verse 1. Colossians 4, verse 1. Title of our message, An Open Door. An Open Door. Don't you love when God opens doors for you? Don't you love when God closes doors for you? God opens, God closes doors. And it's very good when we see the hand of the Lord and we see God is opening this door. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing to know when, when the Lord is opening doors for us. Amen. I remember a while back, my wife and I were at Mother's Market, and I was looking at some produce, and there was this lady there, she was looking at the herbs, and she was going through them, and I could tell she was getting frustrated because she was mumbling things under her breath, and she's like, they don't have mint, and she's like, you know, throwing things and getting upset, and, and then so finally she's looking, and she's spending all this time looking through it all, and then she started storming away, cussing and swearing, and so I just thought, I thought, Lord, it would be nice if I could find her that mint. <laughs> So I just said a quick prayer. I walked over to the herbs section with the packages and all, and I'm looking through them, looking through them, and sure enough, I can't find it. So I'm like, Lord, this would be such a good open door, you know? So I just prayed again, and sure enough, I found one. And so I said, ma'am, I, I just want to let you know, I think you were looking for, you know, some mint. And she said, yeah. And I says, well, you know, I found one for you. She goes, no way. No, thank you so much. Thank you so much. She goes, you're my savior. <laughs> I said, no, only Jesus can be your savior. I says, I'm a pastor, though. And she goes, oh, well, thank you, thank you. She goes, do you think there's another one there? <laughs> and now I'm interceding. I'm like, Lord, you know, be nice to have another one. So I'm looking and looking and looking. I'm praying, I found another one. <laughs> and my wife came into the picture. She's come walking up, seeing me talking to this lady. And I says, hey, honey, this lady thinks I'm her savior. She goes, oh, no, only Jesus can be your savior. And then she goes, I know, I know, he told me. <laughs> but I went and I said to this lady, I said, yeah, I just want you to know, you know, I'm a pastor. I says, but when you were getting frustrated, I was praying for you. And I said, I asked the Lord if I could find this for you because it, I can tell it, it meant a lot to you. And I said, I, I believe the Lord allowed me to find that for you just to let you know how much he cares about you, how much he loves you. And she was just dumbfounded. She was shocked. And it opened a door for us to share Jesus with her. I wish I could say she dropped to her knees and said, Lord, be my Lord and Savior, and God, forgive me of all my sins. That would have been a great story. But let me tell you, it, it gave us an opportunity to plant some wonderful seeds and to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ with a lady at Mother's Market. It was an open door. And God opens doors, and God shuts doors, and it's always good to know when there's an open door and if it's of the Lord. It's never good to bring a crowbar out and try to pry doors open, because if you do that, typically you're going to create problems for you and for other people around you. So we're going to look at open doors, an open door as a topic, and we're going to look at these verses that are in front of us. And so... I'm going to ask if you can please stand with me. I'm just going to go ahead and read verses 1 to 4 out of Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4 again, picking up in verse 1. Paul the Apostle writing, Paul writes, Masters, 
Give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word, for the word, to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Lord, we just pray over these four verses. Pray you speak to our hearts, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You could be seated. Thank you. So we've been looking at the practical section of this letter to Colossae from Paul the Apostle. Paul's in prison writing this letter. Paul has been giving us some practical instruction as we've been looking at the last two weeks. He's giving instruction to husbands to love their wives. Wives, submit unto your own husband. Children, obey your parents. And so we've been looking at these practical things that we can do. He's also uh, spoke to uh, servants or bond servants or we would say employees to, you know, to be obedient and good employees. So we've looked at that. But now we're going to look at masters. And I, I believe there's application for bosses here. So I want to just put it back up on the screen. Verse 1, masters. Give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you, excuse me, knowing that you also have a master, capital M, in heaven. So Paul speaking to those that had slaves, and we looked at last week that in the Roman Empire at that time, there's an estimated six million slaves at the time, six million, so that was a lot. Some think of, you know, they come against Paul. Paul, why didn't you come against slavery? Why didn't you try to abolish slavery? Well, that wasn't his calling. His calling was to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he's giving instruction, though, to those that already have slaves, those that were masters, and he's saying, be fair, be just. Actually, in the wording there, it's to treat him as equal, and that's just like something they wouldn't even hear of in those days. Treat him as equal. Don't treat him any worse. Treat him like you would treat yourself. So really, Paul was infiltrating in there with, with slavery and all in a way, in a, in a spiritual way, saying, don't treat your slaves, don't treat your servants like you used to. Don't listen to those that treat slaves in a bad way. You treat them equally. You be fair. You be just. Give them fair wages. Take care of them. And I believe the gospel, and because of Jesus Christ, it changed the way that, that the master was to their, to their servants and the servant was to the master. And a lot of times they would, they'd end up going to Bible studies together and they would just, there was a new love for each other. There was a new work of the Holy Spirit that took place with, in that realm. But I believe there's good applications for, application here for those that are bosses, those that have businesses, those that are supervisors. And it's the, to be fair, be just. Don't be a taskmaster. Know that you have a master in heaven. Treat him equally. I just want to run down if your note-taker just means right and just and fair, giving them what's due to them in a good way. Fair, the word means fair, equal, just, right. And, and so again, that equal, treat them equally. And you have to be careful when you're in a place of, it might be a place of power to think that, that you're better than someone that's, that's underneath your authority and think that, oh, I'm better than you because I have this position. And, and pride can get in with position. And we have to be careful of that, that we don't allow pride to get in, that we treat people equally and realize they're, they're, if they're a brother and sister in Christ, that they're equal with us. 
If they're not a brother and sister in Christ, they need Jesus to be fair, to be just. And I believe there's application for all of us to be fair and just with everybody we come in contact with. Be fair, be just. And it's a reminder for us today. And I'm sure that that you already, you know, if you're a believer in Christ, that you realize that's what you're supposed to do. But maybe somebody here today, it's just instruction for them to, hey, you need to treat people equally. That's why you hear people say, you know, treat people like you would treat yourself. And I believe that you can get that through here because you're to treat them equally. I used to run a company years ago, water meter company, and we had different employees and stuff. And we would go into, if we went in, if we had a city that we would change out their water meters, we'd have to get in their house and, and, and put in reading devices, either radio read, telephone reads, or just an outside reading pad is what we would do. But since we went in, if we had a community that had 20,000 homes, we went into every home in the community. And, and so that's a big undertaking. So I used to tell my employees, not even being a Christian, I would say, you treat... Those, when you go in someone's home, you treat it as if it was your own home. Unless you treat your home terribly, then don't treat it that way. But, uh, and you treat people the way you want to be treated. And it's so just fair. Just treat people fair. And so we see that in here. And it's, it's a good thing to do. But it's a, it's a reminder for us. When I was living in Michigan, I, when I bought my first home that I lived in. I, I bought my very first home was an income home. My brother and I, I bought a home and he bought the home next door and, and mine was a three family income, I believe. His was a three or two family income, whatever. But, but the first home that I bought to buy in, it was a brand new home and it was, a, a, it was just newly constructed. And so it was an area that didn't, a new subdivision. And so the builder was there and I, I put a deposit on the house and I was all excited to buy my home, the first home that I'm going to live in. It was, a, it was a joyous time. And as I contacted the bank and I was working on the closing, I found out that the, the, the builder went out of business. He went bankrupt. And I already gave him a deposit. And it was devastating. I remember like talking to people like, what do, what, what do I do? And I would talk to attorneys, different people. They're like, well, then they're trying to give me legal advice. And they're saying, you could lose your deposit. You can get a part of it back. And if he's going bankrupt, you know, and they're running this by me. But I wasn't listening to what they were saying to me because all I'm thinking, I'm getting my deposit back. Seriously, I'm just like, that's a lot of money. You know, that's a, to, when you purchase a home and I, this is a life savings that I have to, to buy this home. And so I remember, you know, I knew someone that knew him. I found out where he lived. I found out where he went to, he shopped at the grocery store. <laughs> I was a stalker. I mean, I was just, I was like, I need to talk to this guy because he wouldn't return my phone calls. He was ignoring me like the plague. And I'm thinking, no, that's not going to be, that, you're not going to do that. It's not fair. And I'd try to remember where I ran into him. I think at the grocery store, but because I knew where he was shopping and all. So I run into him and I'm like, so and so. I'm like, you remember me? And he's like looking at me like, oh no, what are you gonna try? You're gonna kill me or something? I'm like, I'm like, listen, I'm a fair person. I gave you a deposit for a home. I either want the home or I want my deposit back. I go, do you understand that? And he's like, well, well, I'm going through some difficulties. I say, I, I understand you're going through difficulties. I says, but you know what, this is fair. And I don't know what you have to do, but I gave you money for a home. I either want my money back or I want to buy that home, one or the other. And I said, do you understand that? I wasn't even a believer, but I was just determined. And I looked him right in the eye and I'm like, and I don't know how I was looking at him because I wasn't a believer. I don't know what was going on, but I know something took place in his heart 
And long story short, I believe out of all the homes that he owned, some different homes that he built, I was the only one that was able to close on my home and keep my deposit. I don't even know what happened. All I know, they called me up and says, hey, okay, it's going through. We're going to close on such and such date. And I was like, wow, thank you. But why am I telling you this story? Because it was fair. That was what, and just. And that's how we're to be with everybody. We're to, to be fair and just. Treat people fairly. Pe- treat people in a just way. I love what Micah, we're told in Micah 6.8. Don't you love this verse? He has shown you, old man. That doesn't mean we're old men, okay? Just that, that's, a, that's, that's just the way it's like. What is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. In other words, he's shown you. you. When you become a believer, this is in the Old Testament, I give that to you, but when you become a believer, you realize we have a just God. We have a good master in heaven. We have a merciful God. We have a loving God, and he's asking us to do the same, to treat others the same way. Proverbs 3, 3. Proverbs 3, 3. It says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. You might say, well, what does that mean? Bind them around your neck. I believe there should be an outward appearance of you. They, people should know that you're merciful and truthful. That there should be outward. People should see that in us. So, so bind it around your neck. May it, may it be something that people can see, like a necklace around your neck. When people, when they, they spend time with us, they're like, wow, that person's merciful. That person's truthful. And, and so there's, a, there's evidence of it, I believe. And then it says, write them on the tablet of your heart. And I believe it's not just to be outwardly. Where you can, you can see people that, you know, they, they, they act like they're truthful, they're merciful. Full, they're gracious, they act this way, but behind your, your back, they're talking, you know, terrible things about you and all that. No, 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 it should, should be something that's in your heart, and it should be written in your heart. It should be something inward, not just outward. And listen to this, though. When, you, when we are truthful and we're merciful, it says, and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. We'll find high esteem in God's sight, and we will find that with man. So, Wonderful uh, verses there that go with this. So basically, masters, if you're a business owner, you're a boss, you're a supervisor, treat people fairly and just. For all of us, good reminder, let's treat people fairly and in a just way. So let's go back in our text. Verse 2, Colossians 4, verse 2. Continuing earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. So Paul's writing to the church in Colossae, He's saying, you know, he's giving practical instruction. Then he's saying, be people of prayer. Pray earnestly. It's probably not good to practice prayer in your bed with your head on your pillow. Like this. Have you ever done that before? Lord, I just come before you. I I really need this, Lord. And really, this is what's saying. Be awake, be alert, be vigilant. When, you, when you're praying, be awake. I, I, many times when I pray in my devotional time, I, I'll, I'll read in my bed, and then and I'll pray sometimes in bed if I'm with my wife, we're praying together. But then when, when I spend my personal time with the Lord, I, I like to stand up, and I even walk around when I... I that's just me. I'm not saying that's the way you got to do it. No, me, because I like to be vigilant. I like to be alert, and that's how I do it. I just kind of, you know, this morning, Sunday mornings, I'm in my kitchen, and I'm in my kitchen, dining room area, and I'm just, I spend time with the Lord, just walking and talking with Him and being vigilant, walking around. For some reason, that's just works for me. 
If I was laying in bed with my head on the pillow like this and I was trying to pray, I'd probably fall back asleep. So Paul's just saying, be vigilant. And somebody, if you can do that, you can you know, lay your head on the pillow and do that, that's okay. But, but it's the picture of being vigilant. He's, he's telling them, be people of prayer. He's telling the, the, the believers in Colossae, be vigilant in your prayer. Be thankful in your prayer. You know, prayer should always be also with praise. We should be, when we pray, we should be praising God. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Thank you, God. You know, and it shouldn't be something like, oh, Lord, here I am. You never answer my prayers. I don't expect you to answer these. You know, it's like, it should never be that way. Be, be thankful when you pray. So he's just giving some instruction. We Be vigilant, be awake, be alert. Continue earnestly, meaning constantly. Be a person of persistent prayer. Verse three, meanwhile, praying also for us. So he's, I love what Paul's doing. He's saying, I want you to be vigilant in your prayers. I want you to stay awake when you pray and all that. But while you're praying, can you pray for us? He's got a prayer request. And his prayer request is that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Do you remember where Paul is when he's writing this letter? Yeah, he's in prison. And you'd think, I I put myself in Paul's shoes. I I might say, uh, I have a prayer request Pray the Lord gets me out of prison, opens the prison doors. That's not number one on his prayer request. Paul is saying, God, guys, can you pray something for me? Can you pray that I'll be used right where I'm at? And if there's a takeaway today, as I've been praying over the text, if there's a takeaway for us today, I believe that's the takeaway for us. God, use me right where I'm at, right here, God. So we can get distracted. And I believe there's a ploy, and there's a, a ploy there, you know, with the enemy even. There's a battle to take us out, to, to just always, the, the grass is greener on the other side. Oh, if I could just go there, if I could just go over here, if I could just go over there. And guess what? I see it happen all the time. People go over there, and it's like, they're miserable over there. But then there's, oh, if I could just go over here. You know, but it's good to, if God, and I'm not saying God doesn't call us to go here, to go there, to go on the mission field and all these other these places, but I'm saying we should ask for prayer. Lord, use me right where I'm at here. And why do you think, why do you, you, you think somehow God's going to use you in a special way over there more than he's going to use you where you're at today? And I think some people get that in their head. It's just this grandeur thing. Oh, if I could just go there. Oh, man, it's going to be awesome. We're going to do great things. We're just going to do awesome things. And God's like, well, why don't we do awesome things right where you're at today? And why do I get that? How do I get that? Because Paul the Apostle is there in a Roman prison, and he could be praying, God, if you can just get me out of here, I can reach tens of thousands of people. I can reach millions of people. I can go travel again. I can go on these great missionary journeys. But God's like, Paul's like, no, you, you have me here. And if you read the book of Philippians, you see that he was used, Paul the apostle was used mightily with the Roman guards and with the, even those in Caesar's household, Paul was used by God. You see, Paul knew that his chains were in Christ. Paul knew that he was there because Christ allowed him to be there. So Paul's not saying, the great escape, get me out of here. No, Paul's saying, use me. Use me right where I'm at. Please pray that the gospel would go forth, the mystery of Christ would go forth. And that's what, you know, that it would be open. The word manifest would, to make it clear, to, to make it visible. So he's saying, may I, may I, 
be able to talk about the mysteries of Christ. May I be able to share the word. Did you notice for the word? And the mysteries of Christ. That, that the gospel, the mystery of Christ would go forth in a clear and a powerful way. And again, I believe that's our takeaway today. You might say, well, what, was the, what, what did you learn today? There at the Calvary of the Harbor, what was the word? I believe it's that, that we would be used where God has us. That God would use us. And doors would be open. Open to us a door. I believe he means give us opportunity. And Paul was used mightily, as I mentioned, as we read in Philippians. If you want the references, Philippians 1.12 and Philippians 4.22. I love what someone once said. Someone once says, you don't have to cross the sea to be a missionary. You just need to see the cross. You don't have to cross the sea to be a missionary. Yes, and we... There are missionaries across the sea, and I'm not diminishing their work and what they're doing and the the awesome thing, but too often as a pastor, I see this where people think, I'm going to do great things once I cross the sea. Once I cross the sea, there's going to be dynamic things that are going to happen. I'm like, well, why don't you you, ask the Lord to use you where you're at today? Whenever I read verses about open doors... I can't help to think about the work that began here at Calvary of the Harbor. And I just want to share this story with you. Some may have heard it before, but it's just a powerful testimony of what God did. As most of you know, I used to serve at Calvary Costa Mesa in 2003. The Lord made it clear that he wanted my wife and I to drop everything, drop the nets at Calvary Costa Mesa and start a work. And we prayed and we prayed. We asked for confirmation. And we were being used right where we were at. And we were loving right where we were at. God was opening doors and he made it clear that we were to start a Bible study here in this community, in this area. So we got on our knees and we started praying. And we realized God had opened a door for us. A door that no man can shut. You see, when God opens doors, nobody can shut a door that God opens up. So God opened the door. So we started our Bible study there. We started a prayer meeting there. For the first five years of this work, we met out of Vivian's house. Then they moved to Canada. So we went to Pete's house, and we had a wonderful time at Pete's house. We were at the community center at Sunset Beach uh, Women's Club. And we've been watching the Lord work in a wonderful way. And then we found out after a short period of time that uh, in Sunset Beach, where we started the work there at the community center, They're a community that's over 100 years old, and they've never had a church in over 100 years. And we're their first and only church that they've ever had. Hello, K-Wave listeners. This is Pastor Joe, and we'd like to invite you to this year's Labor of Love Music Fest, a free beach concert featuring Jeremy Camp, Danny Gokey, Jordan Felice, The Young Escape, and Anchor 247. On Saturday, August 31st at Bolsa Chica State Beach in Huntington Beach from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. This family-friendly event includes delicious food, free rides and activities for the kids, raffle giveaways, and shopping in our vendor marketplace. An Air Force flyover and Marine Color Guards will participate in the opening ceremony. Interpretation for the deaf and Spanish translation is provided, as well as free parking and shuttle service. Don't miss this end-of-the-summer outreach on Labor Day weekend. 
The gospel will be given throughout the day, so please invite your unsaved family and friends to attend. For more information, go to laboroflovemusicfest.com, and we hope to see you at the beach. This event is sponsored in part by Trinity Investment Group GP, West Coast Sand and Gravel, and our friends at K-Wave We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.